is indeed a blessing to be with you this morning and preach to you the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I want to thank the elders for placing confidence in me to preach and teach. It is a blessing to do so. If you will, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 2, and a whole bunch of other scriptures. We're also going to be noticing three psalms. I want to thank Brother Tim, who's behind the scenes, who does our audio work. I want to thank Brother Joe for that fine singing and adjusting at the last minute when the the speaker of the hour comes in and asks him for a song. He changed it for me, and I appreciate that so much. We appreciate Brother Patrick's scripture reading. I suppose I should have given him 1 through 7, but verse 3 is the key verse of what we'll be studying this morning. And we want to thank Brother Freeman Cooper for that beautiful prayer. I love to hear brethren pray, and Brother Freeman is one of our best to lead us in prayer, and we thank him, and we thank you for being here. I hope that those of us that were in the Bible class this morning got some benefit as we discussed standing against evil. Put on the whole armor of God. And that we need to do if we're going to stand against that old devil. Blessings in Christ is the title of our lesson this morning. <clears throat> One must get into Christ because salvation is in Christ. Now, many of you here have already obeyed the gospel. You need to count your blessings and keep striving to the heavenly goal. And we need to be ready to teach others. There may be those in the assembly that have not obeyed the gospel. Today is the day to do so. There have been times in men's history where it was necessary to be in a God-appointed place at a specific time. Now we can notice from Genesis chapter 6 and 7, the flood in Noah's day. There was an appointed place, and that place was the ark. If you were in that ark, you were what? Saved! Right. If you were on the outside, you perished. Right? You can read also about this. I'm not going to take time to read it. But in First Peter 3, verses 20 and 21. Also, in the days of Moses, there came a time. Remember that last plague? You remember what it was? Does anybody remember? The death of the firstborn, wasn't it? If my memory serves me correct. And God's people were told to do something. What were they told to do? They were told to put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and the lintel. And what happened then? He passed over, didn't he? Okay, and no harm was done. Another appointed place with instructions by God, and the people were blessed that did what God said. 
they were in the appointed place at a specific time. Now that brings us to today. The God-ordained place now is in Christ. In Christ. We just, where are our spiritual blessings? We just read that. Let's read it one more time. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So I want to be in Christ. It is so important that he used this phrase, in Christ, or in him, or some form of it. Some form of it. I guess I'm too close to that mic. Thank you. Squirmishing faces. He used that form of that phrase 11 times in the first 14 verses. Do you think he's trying to make a point? I think he is. So we need to be in Christ where all spiritual blessings are. In a materialistic age, it may be difficult to convince some people of the reality of the value of spiritual blessings. It was about in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon that was ever preached, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, that Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19, 20, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. Blessings include spiritual blessings we're talking about. Like I say, have your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 2, because we're going to be spending a, long, a lot of time there. Redemption from sin is a spiritual blessing that the Christian enjoys, in whom we have redemption through his blood. The Christian is redeemed. Also in that same verse, we just keep going on to the second portion of it. The forgiveness of sin according to the riches of His grace. Yes, the Christian, one in Christ, has his sins forgiven. And as we go on to chapter 2, I want to focus on verse 13 and 16 of chapter 2. But now, in Christ, there's that phrase again, Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off, are made nigh by the blood of of Christ. Verse 16, and that that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Both who were Reconciled Jew and Gentile, right? Those reconciled in one body. Well, we have one body today. What is it? The church. Okay. All right. And verse 17 says, And came and preached peace to you that were afar off and to them that were not. So we have peace in Christ. Men and women are chosen in God. That God, from the beginning of time, select who should be saved. Did he? Ah, let us examine this. Okay. He selected the gospel would be preached. 
God's gracious election of man in Christ. God chose elected, selected men and women. I may say men, but I mean a man and woman kind to be saved where? In Christ. Is the election conditional or unconditional? Well, the Bible says this. Give diligence to make your calling an election sure. Okay. Now, let us notice some scriptures here. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God bringeth salvation, hath appeared to all men. 1 Timothy 2.4 says, Who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Yes, this election, is it conditional? Yes, it's conditional. How does it work? The gospel is preached. People believe and they are saved in Christ. Back to our text of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Places, according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated unto the adoption of the children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good nature uh, or the good pleasure of his will. God called men to salvation by the gospel. All right? The gospel says, the Word of God says, Paul, the writer of approximately half the New Testament by inspiration of God, said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and the verses are 13 and 14, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Men must believe the gospel. They must believe and obey it. And we're going to notice from the book of Second Thessalonians now. And the chapter is 1 and the verses are 7 through 9. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Those who <coughs> obey the gospel are thereby put into to Christ where they 
are chosen children of God. Men are accepted in the Beloved. In verse 6 of Ephesians chapter 1. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense... Oh, I'm in the wrong verse there. Got to get back to Ephesians chapter 1. Okay. (coughs) Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6 says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Yes, we need to be accepted in the Beloved. In the world, in the world, men are alienated from God. Ephesians 2.12 says that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. A very discouraging situation. Ephesians 2.3 says, Among whom also we had our conversations in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath. Two very desperate situations. I want you now, if you have your phone books handy, <coughs> to turn it to uh, I think I've got the wrong song listed here. The song, I'll, give me just a second. Seven twenty. Seven twenty if you'll turn in your song. We're not going to sing, but I want to illustrate. This is one of the shortest songs in our songbook. It's not the shortest song, but it's one of the uh, shortest. But it has a very good message. It's called Without Him. I think most of us would. This is where these people were at at this time in verses uh, Ephesians 2.12. That's where they were, without God, having no hope. But this song talks about having hope. It says from a negative part, as we say, Without Him, I could do nothing. Without Him, I could do nothing. Without Him, I'd surely fail. Without Him, I'd be drifting like a ship without a sail. Without Him, stanza two, I would be dying. Without Him, I'd be enslaved. Enslaved to what? Sin. Without Him, my life would be hopeless. But with Jesus, thank God, I'm saved. Yes, they were in this condition, but things are about to get a lot better. Because they're going to be reconciled. Reconciled to God. Reconciliation. Verses 16 and 17 of Ephesians 2 says, And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And 
came and preached peace unto you that were afar off and to them that were not. They went from a situation that was horrible, hopeless, and they were dying to a spiritual condition in Christ. Because if we're in Christ, we're a new creature, the Bible tells us. In Christ, now, they're part of the family. Wasn't long ago that we had our homecoming. The title song, the theme song for that was God's Family, wasn't it, Brother Joe? God's Family, 681. You might be turning there. 681. In Christ, men and women are children of God's family. For through Him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. 681. 681. Part of God's family. So when I'm a Christian, I'm in Christ, I'm part of God's family. We're part of the family that's been born again. Part of the family whose love knows no ends. For Jesus has saved us, made us His own. Now we're part of the family who's on its way home, that heavenly goal. When a brother is in sorrow, when we feel his grief, when he's passed through the valley, we feel relief. Together in sunshine, together in rain, together in victory through His precious name. And though, and though some go before us, we're looking forward to meeting them again, aren't we? We will all meet again just inside the city as we enter in. There'll be no more parting. With Jesus, will be together forever. God's family. So when we obey that gospel, when we are in Christ, we're part of the family. Ephesians 1, 7 tells us and denotes that we are redeemed. That means that has the idea of a slave and view of his freedom. Because we're what? A slave to what? Sin. If we're outside of Christ, we're not in Christ, we're a slave to sin. <clears throat> Romans chapter 6, verses 16 and 17 says, But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. They were bound to sin, but now they're free in Christ, that they may enjoy peace in Christ. They were the service of sin. They put on Christ, and they were in Christ. In Christ, men have been bought from sin. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Right? First Peter 1, 18 and 19. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, 
as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Jesus came and gave his life as a ransom for sin. Men have redemption through his blood. Colossians 1.14 tells us, And in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. When one is baptized into Christ, he's baptized into his death. They are redeemed and the process and in process are put into Christ. Romans chapter 6, 3 and 4 says, Know ye not that so many of us that were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was, Christ was raised up by the glory, <coughs> from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Galatians chapter 3. 26 and 27. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. <clears throat> Men and women are forgiven in Christ. Forgiven of sin. That horrible thing that we have to deal with. Sin not only enslaves men, but it condemns men, and it works on their conscience, and they have guilt. Forgiveness means that the sense of guilt is removed and is replaced by what? Peace. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace. With God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Forgiveness means that one is delivered from the condemnation of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. In order to obtain the blessings that are in Christ, one must put on Christ. We just noticed Galatians 3, 26 and 27. The believer who repents and is baptized is baptized into Christ. Now we noticed at the beginning of our lesson about Noah and salvation. The saved in Noah's days were in the ark. Where are the saved today? They're in Christ. In heavenly places. Paul, uh, yeah, Paul would use that phrase at least three times in the book of Ephesians, maybe more. Heavenly places. On that day of Pentecost, you remember Acts chapter 2 where the church was established? You remember how many obeyed the gospel that day? 3,000. And we come down towards the end of the chapter, and the Bible says, And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. The Lord adds you to the church when you're in Christ, where's He add you? To the church. To the church. Refusing to obey the gospel. 
You have a choice. We notice mid-portion of our lesson today that it is a choice that we have. It's conditional whether we obey God. We have a choice. Refusing to obey the gospel means that one rejects the message of God designed for their salvation. I want to read one more time. I want to read Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. In whom ye also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I'm going to close as we bring our lesson to a close. I've got some questions. What is the most important decision of your life? That's a question. It may be that you could say, someone would say, one of the most important decisions I make will be the school I attend. The parents look for the best schools to put their children in. And then they look for the best colleges. It could be that some would say that their job which they choose, or they move around trying to get the best employment they possibly can. It may be that some would say, where do they live? Many people move down to Florida to enjoy this beautiful weather that we have. And that's, that's fine. Is that the most important decision? Here's a good one and an important one. Who you will marry. What an important decision. Who you will marry. That's one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Or if you were married. There's nothing wrong with staying single. <clears throat> here's, the, here's the one, though. Will you obey or reject the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? That is the most important decision you'll ever make. That's the decision that will follow you into eternity. It has an everlasting decision whether to obey the gospel and be faithful and be on your way to heaven. We ask our children when we have the pew packers on Sunday night, what is true success? And the answer is living your life and going to heaven. Then Charles will ask the children, what is true failure? Living your life and not going to heaven. Then he'll ask them about marrying a Christian. He will ask them in there. And they answer, when it's time to marry... They know that they need to marry a Christian. Some marry folks that aren't a Christian. People can be converted. I want us to turn out at Psalm 270. Psalm 270. Brother Joe was kind enough to sing this, lead us in singing in this, and we will sing this in just a few moments. Are you there yet? Are you at Psalm 270? And this is one that we have sang many times. 
but it asks a question. <clears throat> why do you wait? In other words, why do you put it off? Why do you wait, dear brother? Oh, why do you tarry so long? Your Savior is waiting to give you a place in His sanctified throne. Why do you, what do you hope, dear brother, to gain by a further delay? There's no one to save you but Jesus. There's no other way but His way. Do you not feel, dear brother, His Spirit now striving within? Oh, why not accept salvation and throw off thy burden of sin? Why do you wait, dear brother? The harvest is passing away. Your Savior is longing to bless you. Where's all spiritual blessings in Christ? There's danger and death in delay. It's been often said that a person has a lifetime to get right with God. But as we know, you don't know how long a lifetime is. That's it. We don't know. We may pass very suddenly. We may live another hundred years. I don't know. But are we in Christ? Are we? That's a question right now. And if you're not in Christ, you can get in Christ. Okay? You need to hear the Word. You need to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You need to repent of your sins and serve God. You may need to make the great confession like the eunuch did. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then you need to be baptized. For the remission of your sins. And what? The Lord will add you to His church. And then as Charles likes to put it, you need to leave, be thou faithful unto, unto death and you will receive a crown of life. Okay. You can do that. Give diligence to make your calling an election sure. That's what the Bible says. So we need, that's something, we, it's in our hands. Into our hands the gospel is given. Into our hands is given the life. What are we going to do with it? First of all, if you're not a Christian, you need to become a Christian. If you're a Christian, you need to be faithful unto death, and you will receive that crown of life. Won't you come now as together we stand and sing?